Well, hello. You beat me to it. <laughs> yes, got there, finally. Hello. Hi there. How are you going? Good. Welcome to episode 37. 37. Of, of the Slow, Slow Home, Home Podcast. Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben McCallery, and I'm joined by my by your host, Brooke, Hi. my lovely wife. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So, episode 37, you talk to... Mark Shapiro of uh, MakeYourMark.com. Is he the uh, inventor of the Sharpie? I don't think so. Well, was he his grandfather? I didn't ask. That would have been the first question I asked. Would have. <laughs> <laughs> you need to start doing the interviews and getting up before then. <laughs> we also need to be talking in complete sentences. So, Mark... Um, is actually from MakeYourMarkToday.com, not just MakeYourMark.com. But he um, he writes uh, about vulnerability and authenticity. Um, and he has his own podcast called The One and Only, where he basically encourages people to learn how to be themselves and, and you know, how that has huge flow-on effects in, in people's lives, including his own. He talks a lot about his own story and why, you know, why this is what he, he now does. Because basically learning to be yourself and learning to be authentic is, A, really scary because people, you know, get tied up in the idea of who they should be and how they should act and what they should do. And letting go of all of that and becoming, you know, a truer version of yourself is terrifying because – of the stories that we tell ourselves of who we are and what we do. And uh, so, yeah, Mark and I talk quite a lot about that, actually, you know, particularly the idea of the stories that we tell ourselves. And Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's the inner dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And, you yeah. know, what, what, like the boxes that we put ourselves in, um, you know, throughout different experiences in our lives and different choices that we make and why we make them. And, uh, yeah, you know, and that ties into slow living, really, because of the idea of, intention and so much of you know the stuff that we battle against like the the stuff that we buy that we don't need but we think we should have or the commitments that we say yes to because we think we should so many of those things pale into insignificance once we start to embrace who we actually are so that's you know i find that really interesting to talk about this with mark because it ties into uh you know the maybe the 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 mental obstacles that we throw up in front of ourselves very cool, very cool. So yeah. this is the last episode of For Nov, which means that we're, <laughs> which we, means we're approaching. Well, happy Thanksgiving to yeah. to our American slow friends. But no, t- that doesn't sound right at all. To our American friends, who <laughs> <laughs> are embracing slow. Yeah, yeah. So, but actually, by the time you're listening to this. Thanksgiving has been and gone, so I hope you had a wonderful day. No, hang on a minute. When's Thanksgiving? I don't know. You told me that it was coming up. It's the 25th of November, isn't it? I don't know. Happy Thanksgiving-ish area yeah, time. exactly. Enjoy it whenever you hear this, either before or after. <laughs> As you can tell, we don't do Thanksgiving in Australia. So. No, exactly. All I know is that Thanksgiving is different in Canada yeah, in, Canada's already had this. In October, yeah. Cool. What else is happening? Um, just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come to a, the end of a very busy period, so it's um nice to kind of have our feet back on the ground a bit. I've Belle and I have finished our workshops for the year and um It's been a big couple of weeks, hasn't it? And we purposely months. have you know, months. Yeah. We've purposely kept this weekend free. So we've had a very chilled Weekend, really nice, we? really nice, just to you know sit back and not have anywhere to go or anything to do. It's mm. it's been lovely. Used as a form of recuperation as well, getting over a summer cold. <laughs> the worst. Who has colds in forty degree weather? Hundred Fahrenheit degree weather. You do. Yep, I do. So that's us. Cool. Where can people find out more about today's show? Head to slowyourhome.com forward slash 37. Um, and there's links, of course, to all of Mark's social media, his blog, his podcast, and also to a Jim Carrey commencement speech that we talk about in today's um, episode. And I would 
I would highly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. I would highly recommend that if you haven't seen it yet, to take have. like yeah. ten minutes out yeah. and watch it because it's really inspiring. Um, yeah, it's. I won't. I won't kind of say any more than that because Mark and I talk about it. But um, the link to that is in the show notes as well. Um, and I'm also going to provide a link to, and this is not d- directly related to my conversation with Mark. But over the years, I've put together a few guides on how to approach the holiday season mindfully and kind of plans to to get things sorted so that you're not really stressed out and and insanely busy in the last week before Christmas. So um, I'm going to include a link to that as well because I know a lot of people have been asking me about how to, you know, kind of remain mindful throughout the holiday season. And, um, in, yeah, I've put together things over the years that I'm going to link to in, uh, in today's show notes as well. Very cool, very cool. And our wonderful partners at audible.com are sponsoring this podcast. What do you recommend for, for your listeners well, the exciting news yes. for nerds like me yes. uh, is that Harry Potter, all the Harry Potter books are now available as Audible audiobooks. As my six-year-old daughter would say, O-M-G. That's terrifying in a whole other capacity. Yes. Um, yes, but you can get your, your Harry Potter fix on Audible now. And if you head to audibletrial.com forward slash slow, you can actually get one of those books for free and uh, as well as a 30-day trial of audible.com services. So, um, yeah, just head to audibletrial.com forward slash slow and you will get yourself a free audiobook and a month's, uh, a month's trial. Awesome. Thanks, Audible. Thank you, Audible. Enjoy the podcast. See you later. How are you doing, Brooke? I'm, I'm really well. Really well. How are you? I am doing lovely this morning. It's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. I went for a run and uh, I'm excited to be chatting with you. Fabulous. LA, eh? You, have you always been in LA? I have not. I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, okay. but have been out here for 10 years now. And it's definitely home. I love it. Yeah. I um, haven't spent much time in LA, but it sounds like an interesting, interesting place. It is an interesting place. I mean, it's a huge city, so there's a little bit of everything. And mm. LA gets a little bit of a bad rap because of Hollywood and has a reputation for being fake, but it's really the opposite of that for me. I have an amazing community, and I'm just surrounded by inspiring, creative people. And it feels like everywhere I turn, I have really deep, meaningful conversations and continue to meet awesome people. So I love LA, and the weather is in my opinion, unbeatable. Yeah, the weather's pretty amazing. We were in LA uh, in January and it was like t-shirts and shorts kind of weather and this is, you know, the middle of winter for LA. It was beautiful. Sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> it's interesting you say that though because LA does have that kind of um, that kind of reputation for vacuousness and, you know, backstabbing and, and, and that's all just because of Hollywood. Like that's my only point of reference. <laughs> Definitely. I'm so disconnected from that life. So, but you used to work in like marketing and television entertainment, didn't you? I did, yeah. I worked for 12 years at a television network out here called Showtime Networks. And I'm not sure if you have Showtime um, in Australia, actually. I'm sure you don't, but you probably have a lot of the programming that was on Showtime, like Dexter and Weeds, Homeland, Ray Donovan, Masters of Sex. Those are just a few. Yeah, they're all, they've all made their way over here. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, Showtime made all that content. And then my job was to market it and sell it here in the United States. Right. Okay. So you, I mean, so you not too long ago decided to finish up in that work. And the way you describe it, you you then shifted to focusing on living a life you were proud of. Yeah. Which is awesome. That's such an amazing personal mission but what prompted that like what made you realize that you wanted to to make that big shift and that you possibly weren't living the kind of life that you were proud of before that yeah absolutely i've always had a really strong work ethic and i've always been very ambitious and had really high expectations for myself and i've always wanted to live an epic life i think like anybody else i'm guessing everyone who's listening can relate to that 
that you want to accomplish all of your goals and dreams. And growing up, my parents encouraged me to work hard, but also to play it safe and to get a corporate job, something that was stable that I could grow in. So I followed their guide and had 12 amazing years at Showtime Networks. But ultimately, I realized that being on this corporate path that I was just kind of hitting my head on the ceiling constantly. And while I was growing, I was feeling my growth plateau a little bit. And I was feeling that urge to just branch out and to be able to really go out on my own and create my own destiny versus waiting for a promotion, for example. So that was one of the kind of gravitational pulls pulling me out of the corporate world. But then at the same time, I was doing a lot of transformational work and started believing in the possibility that I could do anything. And that's what really led me down the path to have the courage to even believe that I could create something on my own. Because I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, whether I wanted to dabble in real estate or create my own business. But I didn't have an idea and I didn't really have any idea where I would even start. Um, And was there a moment where it became clear that like now's the time, now's the time that I'm making the jump, now's the time that I'm like quitting my job, now's the time that I'm I'm starting down that path? Or was it just a gradual, gradual kind of shift into that realization? It was a little bit of both. So I was working on a promotion at Showtime and I set a deadline for myself back on June 30th of 2014 where I said, I'm giving it a year. So if I don't get this promotion by June 30th of 2015 this year, that I would leave Showtime and pursue another opportunity. What that would be, I didn't know at the time, but I thought it would be good for me to set that deadline just so I wasn't constantly waiting. And at the same time, I plan to launch the podcast, The One and Only, about authenticity. And I was developing it, and I had it teed up and ready to go earlier this year, back in mid-March, I'd say. And I was just thinking about how I was going to launch the podcast. And I wanted to share the podcast with the world because my goal is to bring more authenticity to the world. And I realized that working in the corporate culture, that having a podcast and working in corporate America were kind of mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I would get the support of my corporate job if I were to launch this podcast. So I was thinking, all right, when I'm going to be out on social media, hyping up the show and sharing it, that I would need to like set the privacy settings so people from work didn't see it because I didn't want... Showtime to think that I was distracted from this promotion that I was working on. So being in that conversation in my head, I realized that this is as good a time as any to leave corporate America and to start on my own. So I then asked myself some other questions. Well, how can I make money off the podcast? What other revenue streams can I create? And then I came up with a bunch of ideas. Like I got the podcast. I've been coaching people for a number of years now. I can do that on a full-time basis. I can do workshops. I can do speaking engagements. And I just realized there's so much available and that this was the time to make the leap. So I went ahead and did it and haven't looked back since. Oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, I love what you were saying about the, you know, the fact that you're creating this podcast and shifting into working for yourself and that not being kind of mutually um, available with the work that you were previously doing. Um, I think that's something people struggle with a lot because it's, 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 it's like our work lives and our authentic selves. They're not meant to meet anywhere, which to me is just crazy because that's what makes people people and that's what makes people connect and relate to each other on a different kind of level but it's so true so many people have have come across that that kind of challenge between where do I draw the line you know that 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 question of where do I draw the line between myself you know and my my real values and my real thoughts and opinions and my work self and I understand Mm -hmm. it to a certain extent I really do but uh, I just find it really interesting that we we kind of continue to put ourselves in these boxes and we don't feel like they should they can be a lot of overlap. Totally. And that could just be a story that I'm making up as well. But the story served me because I had this itch deep within me to be my own boss and you know to create my own path. And whether Showtime would have embraced this podcast or not, 
the story that I told myself gave me the courage to make the leap to create this life that I want to live. I love that idea of the stories that we tell ourselves. I, I talk about that a lot. Um, I actually don't know if I talk about it out loud or, or not, <laughs> but I talk about it a lot because I think we tell ourselves so many stories and they become true, you know, and that can be a force for good, for real, like for really amazing changes, but it can also be a force for you know, negativity and self-doubt. And that's something oh, that I struggle with personally. You know, the stories I tell myself, they're not happy stories. <laughs> what story are you telling yourself right now? Right now I'm telling myself that, um, that I, I don't get nervous talking to people <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just trying to G myself up to, to sounding <laughs> confident. But, um, yeah, those, they can be just so powerful destructively or, you know, beneficially, but, I think the stories we tell us, we, we need to start paying attention to the stories we tell ourselves because, you know, they, they kind of drive our actions and ask ourselves whether or not we could tell ourselves a slightly more honest story or a more positive story. Because, yeah, I just, I grabbed onto that when you mentioned it because it's something that I think about a lot. Fully. And it's something that we all do. And Absolutely. sometimes my stories boost me up with confidence and sometimes my stories cause me to just want to stay in bed all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so going back to your original mission, focusing on living a life that you're proud of, mm-hmm. how did you even know what that meant to live a life you're proud of? Like, did you, did you know what that would look like previous to making these changes? You know, did you have this, this central core of, of values and actions already in mind or was that something that you had to slowly uncover definitely the latter okay. and i'm kind of laughing thinking about it i just uh look back over the last five years as you were asking that question and five years ago i was married and i thought that i had it all and then when that marriage unexpectedly took a turn and we ultimately got divorced three years ago I was back at the drawing board starting from scratch and asking myself the question, what kind of life do I want to live? What do I want to do? Who am I? What kind of value do I provide to the world? And at that same point in time, I started doing some transformational work and started asking myself the question and taking responsibility for my life. For the first 30 years of my life, I felt like there was a track that I needed to live on. Going the corporate route, getting married, having kids. And I learned during this transformational journey that I'm the author of my own life. And if I want something badly enough, I can make it happen. I just got to commit to it and actually do it. And that's going to require me to step into ground that I've never stepped into before and to ditch some of these stories that I tell myself that aren't working anymore. Like, for example, with this podcast. There are thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. So why is there room for another one? And that was something that I grappled with when I first had the idea to launch the podcast. But in reality, there's only one of me, Brooke. There's only one of you. And just because there's other podcasts out there, that doesn't mean that there's a Slow Your Home podcast. This is true. I think that that's that's something that is pretty universal at some point. Most people that I speak to, and certainly myself, will come to a crisis point where we realize this having it all that we thought we had was actually not fulfilling us. You know, I, I've spoken about my my kind of experience with that before and how I made the realization when I, when I was diagnosed with postnatal depression after our second child was born, this life on paper looked amazing, um, had nothing to, to kind of be be discontent about but the reality was I was completely miserable and completely you know completely discontent in my life and it was that that moment of realization of of recognizing that things that I'd built up and literally the things you know the status symbols the the things that all the successful people should have and do they weren't creating a life that was centered on what was important and that's a really <laughs> that's a really um world-shaking kind of realization to come to. So how did you then start to think about what specifically your life would look like? You know, how, how did you to, I talk a bit about legacy and, you know, what it is that we're 
we're creating so that when we when when we're no longer here, what will be left behind? And I think that mm. helps people to kind of crystallize these things that are really important. How did you uh, narrow down and zero in on those specific aspects of your life? You know, is there a process that you went through? Or definitely, it all started with what kind of value do I provide to the world? Why am I unique? And when I was doing this transformational work, I asked for a lot of feedback from people around me, asking what really made me unique, what people thought was really working about who I am, as well as some of the areas where people felt that I could work on. And one of the things that people continued to give me the feedback on, especially when I was up in front of a room speaking, was that I came across as scripted or inauthentic. And I felt so real. So that was very a weird thing for me to hear at first because I've always enjoyed sharing and I've enjoyed being vulnerable, but I've also been obsessed with looking good and saying the right things. And that came across to people. And I think that's so interesting because I find at least that we live in a world where feedback is really scary Mm -hmm. instead of a great asset and a tool for me. I found in the last couple of years, it's so valuable when I get the feedback of what people are experiencing of me, because that way I can take a look at it and ask myself the question, well, is that who I am? Is that who I want to be? And oftentimes people see things in me that I might not realize that they're seeing. They could see the private conversation I'm having within my head, like that I'm uncomfortable or that I want to say the right thing. I want to be loved. And to get that feedback, I can then see my blind spots and start doing the work on myself. So long story short here is getting that feedback that I was coming across as inauthentic was an amazing invitation for me to start practicing authenticity. And I look at authenticity as an art. It is a practice. I am absolutely not perfect. There are times when I'm supernatural and whatever I'm feeling on the inside is exactly what I express On the outside. Then there's other times where it's more challenging. For example, picking and choosing the times where I want to say everything that's on my mind versus other times being silent. (laughs) Because I don't think as humans that it's our job to share everything that's on our mind. Like, I don't think that I need to go out on Facebook and post that I have a stomachache, for example. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that was, that was the big thing for me, and I'm a firm believer. I know everyone's heard this before, but we are the best teachers of the things that we need to practice most, and if we're teaching them, we're going to practice them and become better versions of ourselves while supporting others and learning those lessons as well. So that is what I am committed to with authenticity, and uh, I'm so excited to be doing that full-time. Um, there's so many things you just said that I wanted to dig into, but um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea, something that kind of jumped out at me, this idea of kind of sharing every single thing that we think, um, and I think particularly in light of social media, um, I think it just has such a, a, a the potential for such negativity. You know, not only because people aren't sharing real things if, like you say, they're jumping on Facebook and sharing what they had for lunch or, um, you know, the fact that they're not feeling particularly well. Like that's – those kind of actions and moments really put up a barrier, I think, to people getting to know you on any kind of deeper level. Um, And it's just – it was an interesting kind of insight that, of course, we don't need to share everything. And I think oftentimes when we're able to – People forget that. People forget that we don't need to share everything, even though that, like, even though Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, like they're right there. And yes, you can use them to share any single moment of your day, but do you need to? You know? <laughs> um, and that kind of plays into people's. Um, and I put myself squarely in that in that group too. You know, our need for some kind of validation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that? Uh, social media particularly has had an impact on our ability to live authentically? Definitely. Mm. (laughs) Definitely. That's a loaded question. I could explore that in so many different ways. I think social media is an exceptional tool for us to both request support 
and give support to others. So in terms of authenticity, I think it can be a great tool. But I also find that it's also a tool where we can cry for help, where we can bitch about things that aren't working and maybe an irresponsible kind of way that doesn't really address the problem. It just masks it. So, or for example, it's it, social media is also a way to feed the ego. And, you know, I'll admit that sometimes the amount of likes that I get influences how happy I am. Every time I get that ping, you know, endorphins go off in my head. So it's, it's a balancing act. It is. Yeah. And, you know, as you say, it's a really powerful way to connect with people. Like I wouldn't do what I do if it wasn't for the internet and social media and I wouldn't have the people listening to what I say or reading what I write or, you know, connecting with me in some way if it wasn't for that. So it's absolutely a force for good, but I just see uh, so many people, myself included, when I'm I'm not um, being mindful of, of how I'm kind of consuming this kind of stuff, playing these games of comparison and, um, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And I think it's just, uh, it's great to hear that people are talking more about the fact that that's not real life. Like I'm seeing a big shift into that conversation now, whereas people possibly used to, to think that it wasn't as edited as it was. But um, I just see, I guess, these images and these updates and these you know, social media channels feeding the stories that people are telling themselves. And those stories are, I'm not good enough. My life mm-hmm. isn't exciting enough. My life isn't, you know, epic enough. Um, my life is, is kind of boring or I have small ambitions or I don't look the way I should or I don't own the stuff that I should. And it's really um, interesting to kind of watch it unfold in myself and like I said, if I'm not paying attention to the headspace I'm in when I'm, I'm in that kind of arena, it will very quickly become that game of comparison and, you know, I suck and, um, yeah, my holidays yeah. never, are never that, that exotic, and, you know. Um, so I think there's definitely, we need to take a huge dose of mindfulness and awareness of ourselves and awareness of the fact that that's not real life before we jump into it. Um, yeah. Do you, do you, do you find yourself in that same kind of situation sometimes? Yeah. And I think you nailed it with, when you said it's a great opportunity to check in with yourself. Mm. So the way I see it is it's not about the posts that evoke something within you on Facebook. It's not about the post. It's what's being evoked inside you. So if you see a post that someone else makes and you find yourself comparing yourself to them, and it really has nothing to do with the post, it's that conversation that you're having within your own head. Hmm. So for example, I see a lot of people post pictures of babies and weddings on Facebook. And I mentioned earlier that uh, I got divorced a few years ago. And I'll be honest, what I want more than anything in life is a partner and a family. So sometimes when I see those posts, it puts me in a down state where I'm seeing what I don't have and it makes me feel bad about myself. So instead of blaming it on the posts and deciding not to check Facebook because it makes me sad, it's an invitation for me to look within and to ask myself, why does this make me feel so sad? What can I do about it? You know, is it putting myself out there in a way where I can meet that partner so I can create that family? Is it an invitation for me to really be grateful for what is today in my life? And I got to be honest, I'm having more fun than I've ever had in my entire life. And while I don't have what I ultimately want more than anything else, I'm confident that it's going to happen. And until it does, I'm going to enjoy every second of what I'm currently creating in my life. So I think that uh, going back to it, that it's not about the social media, it's not about the posts, it's about the feelings that they evoke within us. And I guess viewing it, like you say, as an opportunity for flipping things around and you know, shifting into a space of gratitude or a space of awareness or even just reflection, like you say, just saying the reason I think I'm feeling like this is because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And gets really yeah, and that could, yeah, that could really be stretched across any kind of social interaction that we have with anyone, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. You know, because it goes back to the stories that we tell ourselves. We might have a a conversation that's a little awkward or a little stilted or, you know, it doesn't feel 
great and we start to tell ourselves all these stories about why it's about us or why it's, you know, oh, you're always so awkward or you say the wrong thing or um, possibly, but also quite possibly it's just because of the, you know, the way we're, we're kind of um, projecting that back onto ourselves as well. Absolutely. Um, what do you, when you say authentic, like someone who's, you, you can see someone who's living an authentic kind of life, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? What that means is that someone is living in synchronicity with who they are and what they want most. So if someone has a dream to be an actress, that if they're being authentic, they're being an actress. If they want to open up their own business, that's what they're doing with their life versus working as a waitress. So that to me is what authenticity is on a macro level. And then when I look at authenticity on a micro level, it's speaking my truth in the moment, saying how I feel right now. That is my authentic truth in the moment on a micro level. And it takes courage. It's what I was just about to say. Both, yeah. both in the micro and the macro because it's not always easy. There's so many influences and pressures all over the freaking place, right? Like I could go on all day long. I mean from the second we're born, we're told we got to be like this or we got to be like that. And then all the circumstances that in our lives, everybody telling us how we need to live our lives. So it's not always easy to be ourselves and that's really what I'm all about doing is – inviting people to take a look within themselves and to get grounded with who they are, to take risks in order to let your full authentic light shine. Because I've personally learned the lesson that when I have the courage to be myself, to trust myself, to listen within versus to be like a feather in the wind with what everybody else wants from me, that it's incredibly liberating and empowering for me. And, um, I've taken so many leaps in my own life by trusting myself and being authentic that uh, I want to invite others to do the same because of what is available. And that is a fulfilling life that you can be proud of, going back to your question on what that means. Mm. Um, So going to – so for example, I – uh, held a workshop over the weekend and one of the exercises that I ask people to do in that workshop is to connect with their legacy like I mentioned you know think forward fast forward in your life and look back at it what do you want to see you know what do you want to be remembered by what do you want to leave behind what don't you want to leave behind um, and that kind of helps people pull out these things that are important the things that that kind of form their foundation, the center of, of their life. And from there, I guess we're talking about the same thing. From that point, from understanding what's important, you can start to live a really truly authentic life, you know, honestly and openly. And um, I think in a way, living that way makes it easier to make, no, easier is the wrong word. It makes it simpler to make, the the decisions to get us there, if that makes sense. If you have a really mm-hmm. good, strong sense of who you are and what you stand for and what's important to you, then when you're faced with those difficult decisions, like do I take the job, don't I take the job, do I, you know, do I say yes to this thing, do I say no? When you have that foundation to stand on and that understanding of who you are, you can make the call that will benefit you the most in hindsight and, you know, in the long term. Whereas if you don't have that, I think, and I've done it myself a million times, you make the easy <laughs> choice, you know, you make the choice. It's easy because it's yeah. the easy choice, but it's not going to necessarily serve you in that, that kind of long game and leaving that, that legacy or that, that, that kind of life that you're, that you're wanting to look back on. Sure. Yeah. A lot's coming up for me in your sharing. So thank you. <laughs> that legacy exercise is such a powerful one mm. because it really allows someone to fast forward and to look back in a way that's really powerful and creates that clarity and vision in terms of you know what's most important. Uh, I've done that exercise uh, in a little bit of a different way once as well where I was asked to share as if I had already accomplished it mm. from like the end of my life. And that was a, re- a really exciting feeling that evoked when I was sharing about having impacted the lives of 100,000 people and 
accomplished everything that I wanted in my life, making an impact on so many people, having that family that I wanted and, you know, having two kids that have grown up and I'm so proud of them. And just standing in the future like that was really gratifying and made me even more inspired to go out there and create all these things in my life. So that's the first thing, powerful exercise. Um, it all starts with checking within. We've talked about that a lot here in this episode. And then the second part is to zero in on what's most important, to have that vision. And then, of course, once that's in place, all right, what are the steps that need to be take, taken in order to create that life? And uh, I'm a coach as well, so those are, that's, that's my roadmap. That's, I mean, that's fantastic to be able to, to share that with people because I think there's going to be people listening saying well that's you know this is all really nice like this is a lovely conversation i find it really inspiring but um my life is such that i have i have commitments i have you know responsibilities and i can't just kind of drop them all to to live this life that's in keeping with you know my my reasons my priorities how do you think that people can start making a shift towards those changes when they do have other constraints on them be it you know financial or responsibility wise time wise uh, is, are there ways that you think people can, can start to make these changes while not kind of throwing everything to the wind and, and making a run for it? Yeah, absolutely. It starts out with the mindset that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Because if there's not a mindset that it's possible, then it's never going to happen. So that's where it starts. And then I'd say the next step is brainstorming. Once you got, all right, I've got the mindset, I can do it. And in the ideal situation, yes, I've got all these commitments and I'm planning on keeping all of them. But how can I create the time, the space to pursue some passions that will be fulfilling for me? Then it's all about brainstorming and coming up with 20, 30 ideas, perhaps, different avenues that you can explore in order to make that a reality. And while some of those ideas may work, some won't, and being okay with that and continuing to try and explore until you got that formula in place where you feel the fulfillment that you're searching for. Yeah, there's a big there's there's something really powerful in trying and failing. I've spoken to quite a few people over the last few months where they've recognized failure and the ability to just experiment knowing they may well fail. They nominate that as one of the most powerful sort of agents of change in their life mm-hmm. because I think we're so terrified of failing, of screwing up, of looking like an idiot, you know. But I think per, even personally, there are times where I've fallen on my face or taken on too many responsibilities and just completely lost the plot. They're the things, they're the times, they're the moments that I look back on and they help me clarify things. You know, they're the ones, they're the really powerful turning points. Mm-hmm. I think failure, yeah, it just I really like that you you made a point particularly to say you write down these things that you 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 offer up these 30 brainstorming, you know, uh, bullet points knowing that some of them are not going to work and that's okay. I think that's really powerful because particularly when people put so much pressure on themselves to succeed, the idea of failing is horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it yeah, really it is. is. If, we, if we kind of identify ourselves as a successful person, failure is, uh, it's, it's, it's terrifying. You know, people wake up in cold sweats from that kind of stuff. Um, how did you come o- become okay with the idea of failing? How did I become okay with the idea of failing? And that's not to suggest that you failed yeah. in any capacity, but you know, you just seem to be really comfortable with the idea that these things might not work. Yeah. Jim Carrey made an exceptional video. He was giving a keynote. I forget where exactly, but it's all over the internet. And he's talking about his father in that his father worked a job. He kind of played it safe worked a corporate job for his entire career because he was scared to take a risk because he thought he could fail. Well, ultimately, he got laid off from his job. Mm -hmm. So the point here that I'm trying to make is there's no guarantees in life, whether you play it safe or you take risks. So you might as well take the risk for what you want most versus playing it safe and still not getting what you want. So that for me really, really, really resonates. Oh, absolutely. That and uh, I've seen that that speech that you're talking about. I think it was a commencement speech at was it? Okay. university. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. It's um, I think I, I showed my husband 
the same thing after I'd watched it. It was just, um, and you know what? It's re- <laughs> it's really interesting because we're also afraid of these these failings. Um, yeah. But the people who are inspiring to us, the people who make the biggest uh, impact on our lives on a personal level or you know, in a much larger, on a much larger level are people who do take those risks. So I think where, you know, we understand that there's something amazing to be gained, but it's just getting bogged down in that fear um, and that kind of self-doubt that Mm. stops us. Yeah. And I definitely have lots of self-doubt conversations. I think like everybody else. And uh, I love talking about them because we all have them and it's scary to get vulnerable and to share. I mean, I often find myself saying I'm not good enough or there's other people who are out there doing it better and I know comparing myself is never the answer, but I still find myself in that conversation even with that knowledge. And what I found is that when I'm in those conversations, it's a great catalyst for me to inspire myself. So I'm like, all right, I'm in this place. I'm having these self-worth conversations that are making me feel like crap in the moment, but I always find myself asking myself, what am I not doing? What haven't I not, what haven't I tried yet? And I'll get back to the drawing board and I'll write down five, 10 things that I haven't tried yet. Maybe reaching out to blogs to get support for the podcast and I'll start going down that road and it'll create new opportunities. So I definitely look at that anxiety and fear as an asset not necessarily just a place for me to sit in my bed all day and beat the crap out of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, As we're talking about fear as well, I'm a firm believer that everything we truly want most in our life that we don't have lives outside of our comfort zone. And in order to get it, it's going to require us to take on new ground. And I can speak, you know, from, from I here, it's going to require me to do something that I wasn't willing to do yesterday whether that is sharing vulnerably, whether that is reaching out to someone that I'm scared to reach out to and just doing it and pressing into fear versus avoiding fear. Because, I mean, Brooke, I'll ask you, how does it feel when you overcome a fear? That's amazing. <laughs> when, when, when you get to a point, you finish something, you know, it doesn't matter what it is and you you think to yourself, I never thought I could do that. And here I am and I've done mm-hmm. it. I've always had this block, this mental block where if I've got something terrifying coming up, uh, it used to be when I was at school, it was when I had an exam or a presentation to give, or now it's, you know, when I hold these workshops or do a speaking, a speaking gig, I can never picture them happening. Uh, I can never picture them being finished. I can never imagine that moment that I'm done. And then when I get there, <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, I've just never been able to do it. I can imagine it unfolding usually in some kind of horrible way. <laughs> um, but then once I get to that moment of being finished, I've had to teach myself to stop and go, wow, you did it. Like you actually did it. And that's one of the most satisfying feelings, particularly when you've just beaten yourself up about it for so long, mm-hmm. saying that you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to, you know, to finish. Everyone will laugh at you or whatever. Um yeah, and to get to that point of having done it is it's amazing. As you were, you were talking about just taking this one step at a time, you know, what one thing can I do today to to move towards this goal or this change? I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned this past 12 months is I've always wanted to see the end destination and what it's going to be like and how I'm going to get there before I start. And I'm starting mm-hmm. to realize that that's just, first of all, it would be really boring, but um, second of all, just not—it's not probable. But what is probable is you—you you can probably see the one step ahead of you. Just do mm-hmm. that one thing, because after you mm-hmm. take that one step, then the next step becomes illuminated, and the path might be a lot more winding than we had hoped, <laughs> or end mm-hmm. up somewhere that we didn't expect it to. But I feel like that's been probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is just take that one illuminated step, and then see where that next step takes you. I think that's yeah, that's really powerful, and it's, that's probably the one thing that I've been able to to do to help keep that fear at bay. And yeah, you know, before you know it, you're a mile outside your your old comfort zone. Yep, and that's absolutely beautiful. 
That's absolutely beautiful. I can look back at my own life and my relationship with fear in my 20s, for example. And when I look at the way my life looked like, it looked pretty much the same throughout my entire 20s. I worked at Showtime Networks the whole time and I was married. That was it. When people would ask me what's new, you know, same old. At this point in time, since I've changed my relationship with fear, I'll see someone who I haven't seen in three months and they'll ask me what's new and my whole life has changed. (laughs) And that's been a steady trend of mine for the last three years because I'm really living in a place of possibilities and in just loving fear and stepping into it constantly. And because of that, I've really transformed and reinvented my whole life. I no longer work in corporate America. I've got my own thing going and it just is evolving every single day because I'm continuing to press in. And um, it's so fulfilling. Yes, it is very scary at times. And I have weeks where I am incredibly productive and I have weeks where I am so scared that I don't get much done. But that's just part of the process. It is. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, our, our modern relationship with fear is, is a strange one because particularly living, you know, in a, like a developed world, we, we don't have, uh, there's a lot of things that we're really fortunate to not have to fear, you know, on a daily basis, we don't have to fear for our lives. <laughs> we don't have to, you know, combat, um, either people or, so you, know, you know, so I think it's really an interesting thing. And I think sometimes we give it more gravity than it needs oh. as well. Um, except maybe just a step back and a bit of perspective would also help me when I start to get bogged down in this kind of thinking about all the horrible things that can happen because I'm really, I know <laughs> that anxiety, <laughs> anxiety evokes this life or death situation yeah. all the time. And yeah. it's, that's not the case. 95% of the time. Exactly. It's just, it's really interesting. So I think there's also something in just saying, oh man, come on, seriously, like just do it. <laughs> you know, you're, mo- you're almost certainly not going to die by sending this email or, you know, by yeah. interviewing this person yeah. or it's, yeah, yeah you're going to be okay. Yep. <laughs> but, but in saying that it's, you know, I also don't want to make it less of a, a thing because it really is a, it's a, a very real block, you know, to, to making changes. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, my grandparents or something in the back of my own head saying, come on, this is back in my day. <laughs> this, this was not a problem. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> um, so one last thing before, mm-hmm. before I let you go. You were talking before about uh, people working out who they are as a person, yep. who, what they stand for. Mm-hmm. How you spoke about the roadmap of you know making this shift into it, into living the different life. But what if someone doesn't know who they are, or what they stand for, or even more more frightening? What if they they know and they don't they don't necessarily like it? Mm-hmm. Um, what can people do to, to establish, you know, who they are? Because I think a lot of us, like going back to what you said at the very beginning, we, we get on this, we get stuck on this track of life because that's what we should do. That's, you know, what we're told to do and we play it safe. So somewhere along the line, we kind of lose sight of who we are, of who we might've been as an eight year old kid and who we dreamt of becoming. How do we reconnect with that? Standing in the possibility of it. Mm. And being open to it. And every moment is a new moment. And just because we've been a certain way for so many years doesn't mean that's the way I need to be right now or five minutes from now. And to be able to believe in that and to be open to that and to open the growth that comes with that. For example, I used to feel so uncomfortable going to networking events or even in social situating social social situations i had trouble spitting that out um i'd go to a party with a group of people and i'd find myself only engaging with the people i went to the party with because i was so scared to put myself out there and introduce myself to other people well having done the work have boosted my confidence having a greater 
comfort in who I am, trusting myself, being unapologetically me, naturally when I go to a party, without even trying, I'm meeting so many people and connecting with them on a deep level. So that's something that I didn't see available for myself even a couple of years ago, and now it's the status quo. So that's what's available. Anything. Whoever you want to be, whatever you want to do, who's it up to? It's up to you. Mm. I mean, it absolutely is. It, our actions are ours to take. You know, I was talking to someone else recently who asked me what was the biggest lesson that my parents have taught me uh, about happiness and, you know, how to live contentedly in our own lives. Uh, it's something my dad taught me from a really young age. Like our reactions are up to us. Our response is our responsibility. And mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. He's, um, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but, you know, and that's something I've carried through my life more or less all the time. But um, I think, and that's basically speaking to what you're saying, we can make the choice in any given moment. We might not feel like we can, but it's there. Definitely. Yeah, I loved how you tied response with responsibility. Oftentimes, I don't personally connect those words, mm. but same root there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a really, really beautiful place to to say thank you for being on the show and thanks for talking to us. And I think people are going to love hearing what you've had to say and um, to connect with you afterwards. So the best place to, to, to find you online is at makeyourmarktoday.com. Makeyourmarktoday.com. That's where the podcast, my podcast, the one and only podcast lives, which is uh, all about authenticity. And um, I'm also a coach. I do speaking engagements and workshops as well. So if you want more information, uh, check that out. And uh, I'm also excited. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but uh, I'm going to be having Cody Simpson, uh, an amazing Aussie, on yeah. the podcast. So I'm excited to uh, to have him on. Awesome. Yeah, you have a, a really fascinating range of people on your show, actually. I was looking back through and listening to some of the episodes. It's just, it's, um, yeah, I'm sure you've got some really interesting things to share about people and the way you connect with them. But we'll, um, we'll definitely check that out. We'll, we'll probably be putting this out kind of mid-November, so only a few weeks. And, um, yeah, I'll point people in that direction as well via the show notes. Awesome, Brooke. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing, your voice, your vulnerability, and all the amazing tips and value you provide. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.